sing a song of liberation. The God of our salvation set us free. Death, where is thy sting? The curse of sin is broken. The empty tomb stands open. Come and see. He's alive, alive, alive. Hallelujah, alive. Praise and glory to the Lamb.
twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and led him away to crucify him. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. His body was placed in a tomb cut out of the rock. dawn on Sunday, the women went to see the tomb. An angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and rolled back the stone. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen.
Good morning, church. Please uh, rise and we uh, speak scripture to one another this morning. For while we were still hopeless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Amen. Let's sing praises to God, to Jesus Christ who is risen. Yeah. 
from every land, men and women of the faith. Come close with full or empty hands, find the riches of His grace. Over all the world His people sing, shore to shore we hear them call. The truth of Christ through every age, offered now is all church give, you send hope. In small towns, big cities, and college campuses, God uses your sacrificial giving and your partnership with the North American Mission Board to make this happen over and over again. And at NAM, we think it's important for you to know how God uses your gifts to produce results. Southern Baptist churches like yours fund North American missions through two primary sources. First, through cooperative programs. Your gifts to the CP typically come from your church budget and then go directly to your state convention. Each state then sends a portion of that money to the SBC Executive Committee, and from there, more than half of CP goes to the International Mission Board. NAM, SBC Seminaries, and other entities receive a percentage as well. NAM receives 22.79% of cooperative program dollars. We use those funds to support evangelism events, to support ministry centers and missionaries, to endorse chaplains, and for operations. Altogether, those funds make up 35% of our budget. But the largest part of NAM's budget, 50%, comes from the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. More than 100 years ago, this offering was named for a bold missions advocate who rallied SBC churches in support of missionaries. Today, Southern Baptists have thousands of missionaries serving in North America. They are spreading the gospel through Sin Network, our church planning arm, and Sin Relief, our evangelistic compassion ministry area. And when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering through special offerings, your church budget, or directly to NAM, you're helping these missionaries by providing the fuel to assess, train, coach, and care for them. It helps pay for things like Bibles, curriculum, ministry equipment, or even rent for a worship facility. Some churches may refer to this offering as the North America Missions Offering or something else. Whatever you choose to call the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering, it is unique because every dollar goes directly to support missionaries where the need and the opportunity are the greatest. It goes all over North America, including our largest, most influential cities, 
where the gospel presence has been on the decline. Your giving helps plant new, reproducing churches. And now, in many urban areas, we're starting to gain ground. It goes to places like international and refugee communities where tens of thousands of people, many from countries close to the gospel, move every year. Your giving is sending missionaries to love them and share the hope of Christ. In a hundred different ways, in a thousand different places, all of your gifts are enabling missionaries to start new churches, baptize new believers, and make disciples. That's how your giving works. As you pray and give, we at the North American Mission Board are so grateful to be your partner, helping you fulfill the Great Commission. Together with you and your church, every day we are sending hope. Well, good morning and happy Easter. you and your Easter. church give. <laughs> happy Easter. It is great to be with you all today as we remember and rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name's Alan, and it is such a joy to join with you all in worship today. If you're a guest here today, we are so glad that you're here. Welcome. We would love to get to know you. One way that we can do that is through a Connect card. It looks like this. This card is sitting in the back of the seat in front of you. And if you would like, we'd invite you to pull this out, fill this out. This will let us know how we can serve you and pray for you. Then after service, if you leave through these central doors, you can turn left, and there you'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn this Connect card in, meet someone who would be happy to answer any questions that you may have about our church, and receive a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you're here today. We like to encourage our, our worship through giving, and one way that you can do that is by taking this card out. This is called our online giving card. If you scan this QR code, that'll take you to our online giving page where you can give online. If you prefer to give in person, there are black boxes on the back of the sanctuary wall here you can drop a gift in. You can also write to P.O. Box 92, Hebrew, Kentucky, 41048, or you can drop into the office here Monday through Thursday, 9 to 430, or Friday, 9 to noon. Well, we're going to join together now in a prayer time. So I invite you to please pray with me. Father, we praise you for this wonderful morning as we remember the empty tomb, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a shock and surprise it must have been for those who first found Jesus' tomb empty over 2,000 years ago, and we still share in that amazement that Jesus' death on the cross was not the end but rather death could not hold him. That the sorrow of death, which has impacted all of us, has been defeated by the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for a Savior who died for us, but who also did not stay dead, but has risen, who's at your right hand, and who is present with us. Thank you, Lord, for Easter. Father, in the spirit of your amazing love and hospitality, this morning we pray for our church value of joyful hospitality. We ask that you would allow us to ever be growing in our hospitality toward others. Thank you for showing such undeserved hospitality toward us through the gift of Jesus. As you welcomed us like a prodigal son far from home into your loving embrace. Thank you for showing us such amazing love. Lord, would you please let us reflect that love to our neighbors, to our church members, to those who live around us, to our family members. Please let us join you in having joyful hospitality. 
Lord, we pray not only for ourselves, but we think this morning and pray for those worshiping you in Utah at Redeeming Life Church. We pray you would bless Pastor Brian Catherman and Redeeming Life Church's congregation. Would you please refresh them this morning as they remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Please use them to share that amazing message to their, their neighborhoods around them. Please use them as a bright light for your glory. Further from home, our hearts go out once more to Russia and Ukraine. And we just beg, Lord, that the message of Easter would speak brightly in their dark situation. We pray for those who've experienced great loss, loss of resources, loss of family members in Ukraine. We pray that you would give them the hope of Jesus. No other hope compares to the hope we have at Easter. We pray that message would go forth. We pray that you would provide the physical needs that are needed there now. We pray that you'd provide the volunteers and the resources to go there and to serve. But we pray that you would give strength to believers there in Ukraine now. And for those who have not heard of you, that they would hear of the amazing message of Jesus Christ. Lord, our hearts go out now for the family of Gloria Setters. We ask that you would bless this family as Gloria recently passed on to be with you. And we pray that we would all be comforted in the hope that we have demonstrated so brightly at Easter time. That our end is not here. It's not death, but it's resurrection because of what you've done for us. And finally, Lord, we all come to you. With our great need, we have sinned against you, each and every one of us, Lord. We've all fallen short of your amazing holy standards, of your character, of your pure and holy heart, Father. We pray that you would forgive us, even this past week, for sins that we've committed against others, against ourselves, against you. Father, please forgive us for our sins. And thank you that our hope is not in us, not in anything that we could do, but it's in Jesus and his perfect life on this earth and his death on the cross that we deserve, but that he took in our place and in his glorious resurrection. Thank you that he rose from the dead. We continue to worship you for all you've done and for who you are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's encourage one another with these words.
Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. of love. 
depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i stand christ alone who took on flesh fullness of god in helpless faith this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied
baby seal. Is risen. He is risen Amen. Glad that you're here today. I'm Pastor Sean, and we are glad that you are worshiping a risen Savior with us today. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23 and verse 32. If you'd like to follow along in the translation that I will be reading from, you can turn in the Pew Bible to page 938. So that's page 938 in the Bible that should be in front of you. And we do, if you do not have a Bible of your own, uh, we have some at the Next Steps desk because we know that reading from Scripture, the story of Jesus, is important in our life. And so if you need one, we'd be glad to give you one as a gift uh, today. Today we are looking at the story or the event of the crucifixion of Jesus, but we're going to look at a snippet, a snapshot of the three crosses where Jesus was crucified, Jesus and the criminals around him. And you might say, Brother Sean, today is Resurrection Sunday. Why are we talking about the cross? Well, today we're going to talk about the cross because it is from this work of Jesus that illuminates the empty tomb and how important and vital that empty tomb is for us. And so today we're going to look at these three crosses and we're going to ask ourselves, what does this message of these crosses say to us? So beginning in verse 32, uh, we will just read along with me. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. And the inscription above him, This is the king of Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we are getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and he said to him truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise let us pray Heavenly Father we ask through your word that you would reveal to us our hearts the true st status of our hearts that you would help us to see the beautiful message of the cross and of the empty tomb and our status and our undergoing as your faithful people. God, reveal our hearts by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. An x-ray machine is a very amazing piece of technology. 
It's been around for a long time, but it, it allows us to see into things. It exposes things. It, and when you have an x-ray done, you can see down to the structure of the body, the organs, everything underneath and how it's functioning. That you can penetrate and show what is normally hidden, but now is revealed. Luke the physician writes and painstakingly detail of the, the death of Jesus on the cross, the events surrounding his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. He wrote here about Jesus being crucified, this horrifying scene of his death among criminals. And it is here at the sacrifice of Jesus and the response of the two thieves that we get to see our own hearts exposed. When we come to this text, we ask questions. Who is Jesus? What does his crucifixion mean? What does it matter to me? How have I responded? Well, in this passage, we see three crosses that each have a distinct message. And each person crucified on that cross displays a truth about us and the gospel. Today, I believe the scriptures are calling us to look closely and just as the scriptures do often, expose our true selves that can look at what's hidden and bring them to light. And each of these crosses, it allows us to expose the truth of our own hearts. And as we examine each one, I encourage you to pray and ask God to reveal the status of your heart. So let us look at each cross, with the first one being the Christ's cross, the message of atonement. Christ's cross, the message of atonement. As we open this text, we see that, that Luke is saying that Jesus is being taken away to be crucified amongst criminals. Maybe you've never look, taken a peek at Jesus. Maybe you've not been able to see him or even look into him. Or maybe your view of Jesus has been dim for a long time. Well, Luke gives you an invitation again to look at Jesus and who he is. Here is another opportunity to see him at his crucifixion. And Luke provides precise details to identify Jesus to his explain his work of his atoning forgiveness for our sins. In verse 32 and 33, what do we read? Two other criminals were also led to be crucified with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. This important detail helps us to see what happened that day and how the ancient prophecy that Isaiah prophesied that the suffering Messiah would be counted among the transgressors. In other words, that the Messiah would be crucified, counted as a criminal, counted as a lawbreaker. Of course, Jesus wasn't actually a criminal at all. If you read beforehand of the, the method of his, of his judgment and his trials, both in the religious leaders as well as the Roman uh, courts, we see that Jesus clearly only stated that his only sin, so to speak, was to be the title King of the Jews. 
And when the soldiers executed him in this May way, counting him among other criminals, other thieves, he fulfilled the prophets of the words of the prophets that he would be counted among the transgressors. Isaiah 53 reads this, Therefore I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. When we look upon this cross, Jesus' cross, we see an innocent man dying between two transgressors. As we have seen lately in, in our world, how many have fought for justice for those who have been falsely accused and worked to free them. In our mind, we read this text and say, no way, Jesus doesn't deserve to die. But God's plan was for him to be counted among lawbreakers. Why? So that he could bear the sin of all the rest of us who are lawbreakers. You see, when we see this scene, we see that he's counted among the lawbreakers, but nevertheless, he is dying in the place of sinners. With spiritual x-ray, we should also see that he is dying in our place, that we are among the sinners in whom he died. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus at this cross atones for our sin he his work pays the penalty for our law breaking against God himself and how this happens is that the love of God and the justice of God meets in Jesus on the cross the love of God is the cause of atonement as seen in the familiar verse that you probably know for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life but also the justice of God is required that God find a way for the sins of the world to be paid for because he is a holy God that we could not have fellowship with him unless these sins were paid therefore Jesus fulfills both the love of God and justice of God Without the love of God, he would have never taken any steps to redeem us. Yet, without the justice of God, the specific requirement of Christ to earn our salvation would not have been met. Therefore, as Mark Dever observes, there's no getting around the fact that the center of Christ's ministry was the death on the cross. And the heart of that death was God's certainty, certainly an effective dealing with the claims of both his love and justice brothers and sisters we are compelled to look at this cross that the soldiers cast lots for his clothes that he hung there with nails in his feet and nails in his hand naked before the world shameful that he who was a sinless man died for sinners with the x-ray of faith, you will see that he did this for you. Dying the way a Savior is supposed to die for you. Corey Ten Boom and her family of Dutch reformers who were in the Netherlands were 
working to save Jewish people who were fleeing the Nazi overtaking. Corrie ten Boom and his, her family was then also taken in cap, cap, captivity and were placed in punishment in Nazi concentration camps. They stole her from her land, but they never stole her from her love of Jesus. It was that faith in Christ that helped continue her and walk with her as they faced cruelty and punishment in these concentration camps. One of the things that they did as they, they were in this concentration camp that often that they would have to uh, be stripped naked and go for medical evaluation in part for embarrassment and part to keep them under control. And here, as a young teenager, as she, with her sister, was stripped naked waiting, she was remembering that morning as she was thinking back to her times of reading Scripture she, that God brought to her heart this moan, moment of Jesus on the cross. And as they stood there freezing in line, she remembered Jesus hanging naked for our sins on the cross. She leaned up to her sister who was waiting in line and said, Betsy, they took his clothes too. She writes, I heard a little gasp. And Betsy said, Oh, Carrie, I have never thanked him. Have you ever thanked Jesus that when he died for your sins, he hung there in shame, taking on your sins, taking on my sins, no matter who you are and how far you've gone away from God, how much you've been disobedient, look at the cross of Jesus. He hangs there paying for your sins. It is this Messiah taking on your punishment paying the, the price you couldn't pay, he paid for you. We must gaze at this wonderful cross as Jesus died for our sin. But we must look at the other two crosses because in those are the response of us looking at the center cross. The first cross, the mocking cross, is the message of warning. How often do you miss a clear sign? One that's just out and open and you just miss it completely. How often, you can raise your hand, have you ever pulled on a door when you were supposed to push? How many have done that? Yeah, I've, I've done that. How many have accidentally gone into the wrong potty? You know, not paying attention, walked in, kind of walked in and said, whoops, I'm not the, and you know, it's by law that you have to say whoops, okay? I don't know if you know that. That's to make sure everybody knows that you did the wrong thing. Whoops. Like, anybody want to admit to that? Okay, so a couple of you. Okay, all right. Hopefully, none of you have missed a sign to go down the wrong way street of a one-way street. That would be very dangerous. There's a lot of signs that we can miss if we're not clear, the soldiers, the priests, the crowd, and the criminals missed a clear sign in mocking Jesus. They all joined in mocking Jesus that day. Mocking, saying, if you are the king of the Jews, if you're the Messiah, save us, save yourselves. The whole crowd of mocking people, the soldiers, were personified 
in this one criminal who hung beside Jesus. In verse 39, it says, one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Whether he knew it or not, with every breath he was taking, he would have wished he had not said those very words. Because though he was facing a certain death in this world, what was about to come was even worse. Because in a moment, he was probably going to face the judgment of God. And in there, rejecting his son, he, though like all of us, though he was physically dying, was already dead in trespass and sin. And all of us are in that status. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that no one is righteous, not one, and therefore he himself were, was sitting there, was, was hanging there, being crucified, and with his last breath had the gall to hit, hur, hurl insults at Jesus. Sadly, he did not even realize that the door of heaven was hanging right next to him. And he missed the sign right above Jesus, the King of Jews. Now that sign, there's a story there. The Romans had to give public notice of a crime. And as the jury and as the, sorry, as the trial went on, there was no punishment. There was no law broken by Jesus. And so as this happened, there surely had to be some sort of guilt that Pontius Pilate had to say. And even himself said that there is, I found no guilt in him deserving death. So in the end, he simply identified Jesus as being the king of Jews. Pilate was crucifying Jesus, but he was also getting a little back at the, at the religious leaders who had caused such a ruckus. Because he knows by saying Jesus is the king of Jews, suddenly was a dig at them. And there the Pharisees and the scribes were saying, take that sign off. He is not the king of Jews. That is blasphemous. And with delicious, saving irony, God himself, used even the hand of Pontius Pilate or the soldier who wrote that to say, look, this is who my son really is, whether you realize it or not. Look and see, God is saying, this is my son, the true king. Many of us today and many in this world reject Jesus. Some often too busy in this world to, to think of the spiritual realities that is to come. Some not wanting to have anything to do with Christ or religion. Some just rejecting the claims of Jesus altogether. I was scrolling through, uh, Chris, uh, scrolling through Twitter, which is a dangerous thing in and of itself, but I saw a supposed religious leader tweet out this. God did not will Jesus' crucifixion. Suffering is not salvific. Theologies that glorify pain and death contribute to finding justification for our neighbor's suffering. God wills abundant life. The crucifixion of Jesus and the ones around us violate that love. I don't know if you follow that, but if you thought it was 
ridiculous, you're right. That's just old heresy boiled down into a new package, a syncretism of religion and expressive individualism that is a modern false gospel that proclaims the most heightened desire for a person is to express who we really are instead of laying hold of the truths of God and the gospel. To deny the atonement of Christ is to deny the forgiveness and mercy that God extends to everyone. But Jesus displayed this on the cross that I am the king, I am the Messiah, I am dying for forgiveness of sins. And he backed it up. What happened in verse 34? Jesus prayed on behalf of those around him. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and, his, and cast lots. Even while dying on the cross, Jesus prayed for those around him participating in his death. For whom was Jesus praying? Well, much ink has been spilt on the theories. Was it just the Roman soldiers? Was it the leaders? Was it religious leaders? Was it the crowd? When he said, forgive them, was he praying for only a specific group? Scanning around and hearing the mocking voices, Jesus heard and prayed that God would forgive them. If we look at our x-ray and reveal our hearts, we want to be part of that word them, don't we? C.H. Spurgeon, uh, Charles Spurgeon observed this. He says, I love this prayer. Also, because of the indistinctness of it. It is, Father, forgive them. He does not say, Father, forgive the soldiers who nailed me here. He includes them. Neither does he say, Father, forgive the people who are beholding me. He means them. Neither does he say, Father, forgive sinners in ages to come who will sin against me. But he means them. Now into the pronoun them, I feel I can crawl. Can you get in there? Oh, by a humble faith, appropriate, the cross of Christ is trusting in it. And to get into that big little word, them, it seems like a chariot of mercy that has come down to earth in which a man may step and it shall bear him up to heaven. For Father, forgive them. There is room in every sin, for every sinner in the word them. And therefore, Many of us have crawled into that pronoun them seeking mercy and forgiveness from Jesus. God has been answering this prayer ever since, encouraging sinners to come to Jesus to find mercy for in faith for us to grab hold of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you were here today, brothers and sisters, friends, be warned of the mocking cross because that one criminal saw and knew the signs of Jesus, yet rejected him. But what was hanging there was a Savior who would have given him mercy. All of us must come to this spiritual reality 
Will we trust in this Christ, in him, or will we reject him? But us mocking and rejecting Jesus, we turn away from a grace that will save. But there was a third and final cross, and that is the cross, the repentant cross, which gives us the message of hope. In verse 40, it says, but the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we are getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. What beautiful words from our Savior. It gives us hope for those of us who understand and know that we have no right standing or belonging in heaven. To understand and know humbly that we deserve to be on the cross, yet Jesus took our place. There, the other crucified felons, we read that first that both of them were mocking Jesus. You read Matthew's gospel, you see the plural robbers or criminals, plural, indicate that both men were railing against Jesus and mocking him. And we don't know what it was. We don't know how he got there. Maybe by the tenderness that Jesus reacted to the crowd. Maybe it was the prayer of forgiveness that he prayed among others. But certainly through the power of the Holy Spirit that that criminal came to trust and see Jesus, who he really was. We see that this criminal said and repented of who he was and asked boldly, Jesus, take me into your kingdom. In this statement, we see that Jesus responds, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. This wonderful promise of Jesus extends to all of us who have faith in Jesus that we know, and it's backed up as Paul observed in 2 Corinthians 5, 6. So we are always confident to know that while we are at home in the body, that we are away from the Lord. This salvation of the thief on the cross shows us the true heart of the gospel message, the traditional biblical saving message of the gospel that both repentance and faith saves. That both repentance and faith in Jesus brings us to the hope that we will have paradise with him. Knowing that Jesus is king and has opened heaven's doors, it is through repentance and faith that we know we have access how do we see this true Christian gospel and the response of this criminal? Well, he repented. The criminal took responsibility. He said, look, don't you fear God? We deserve to be here. We know we belong here. True repentance is agreeing with God that we love evil and that we must turn from it and turn to him. This is some steps that many people jump over on the way to trying to get out of hell free card. 
they observe and know that Jesus is king and is something, but they never take responsibility or acknowledge or own that they themselves are the ones that deserve punishment. And it is in this step, brothers and sisters, where we repent and agree with God we are sinners and turn to a saving Jesus. Mark 1, 15 says the time is fulfilled and Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, the criminal understood the personal opportunity for forgiveness of sins. It is this understanding that what Jesus has done pays the penalty for us. And we must be reminded that we must reject the sinful ways of our heart, reject the sinful ways of this world, and turn to Jesus. Oh, how many paint this picture of the criminal on the cross and say, oh, well, he, he didn't get a chance to do anything. He didn't get to work his way out. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We, he didn't get to show his fruits, but brothers and sisters, he came to a place that he knew he deserved to die for his sins. And brothers and sisters, that is where true godly sorrow is born. That we know before God we deserve every punishment we get because we are sinners. And this criminal understood that he deserved to be there. But the second criminal also came to see the glorious gift of faith that Jesus brings forgiveness. The very last minutes, hours of his life, he had no other choice in his sin but to cry out to mercy to Jesus. And he knew by faith that this king, this Jesus, this Messiah was the only one who could get him there. It is by that faith that he cried out. And that same faith that each of us grab hold of the wonderful gift of Jesus it is by that faith we claim that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died a death that was right and just for me, and that it is by following him and him alone can we be saved. The criminal got there. The criminal, by Jesus' own words, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, to paraphrase a story of Alistair Begg that you've probably seen going around the internet these days. Can you imagine that scene? That criminal coming to heaven and the angel saying, what are you doing here? How did you get here? And the criminal saying, I don't know. I don't know. The angel saying, okay, let's just try something. Do you understand justification by faith? What is that? He responded, I don't know. The angel says, well, let me get my supervisor. Let me, let, me, let me come, let me go get. They grill him. What is the doctrine of Scripture? I don't know. What is the, the, the foundations of the faith? I don't know. Well, well, why are you here? The criminal says, the man in the middle said I could come. 
friends, that's the only thing that matters. You see, by that story that people ask so many times, what would happen to you if you were to die? The only thing that matters is what Jesus says about you. This is the wonderful gift of repentance and faith that we know that came upon this repentant cross and the x-ray of faith that we must come. Have we come to repentance and faith in Jesus? You might say, well, how do we know that this promise holds up? How do we know the end of the story? That we stop right there in verse 43. We do not know we do not know if it happened. We don't know if it worked out. Well, brothers and sisters, read the rest of the chapter. And it is the very reason that we're here today. Because the tomb is empty. Jesus died. He was buried in the ground three days. And he rose to life. And because the grave is empty, we know that Jesus has the power over life and death and over sin. And his promise was true. The place that he was going to prepare for his people was broke wide open by his sacrifice on the cross. And we know that that promise is true because Jesus died for us. Jesus went to the tomb and he is alive. And we know that that promise can be true I know it's true for me. I know that one day I will be with Jesus in paradise. I know that it can be true for you that if you trust in Jesus with faith and repentance that you can live forever. It is giving yourself to him, all of it, all your sins, all your past, and trusting in him that he will bring you home. And we know that it is true because of his work on the cross and the empty grave shows that he has the power to save. Thabiti Anyabwile observes this. Put all the scenes today together here. Judgment is coming. God is forgiving. Paradise is offered. But the only one who receive it are the humble who admit their sins and confess that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross to atone for their sins and was raised from the grave three days later. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you three crosses with three messages. Take the faith x-ray out and reveal your own heart this Easter. Do you know that you've taken hold of the atoning work of Jesus through faith and repentance? If you have, rejoice and sing. Praise his name. And with hope, look forward because one day you will be in paradise. But are you still rejecting Christ in some way? Trying to make him a savior that's more comfortable taking the edges off or rejecting him completely. Friend, that is not an atoning savior. That is a God of your own making. And you need to look at the cross of Jesus 
and look at this. You may be far from him, but he's not far away from you. He's conquered sin and death for you. He has died on the cross for you. And you, by faith, can call out to him today. And today you will know that you can be in paradise with him. There is hope. There is hope for us. Because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, because our Savior lives, we know we have hope in the cross of Jesus. And you can have hope in him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for the work of Jesus on the cross. We're thankful that he is not still there, but he is alive in heaven with you. And because of this great promise, we know that Jesus gives to us that we can be saved. Oh God, we pray this morning that we would be lifted up, that we would not be set low but we would instead look at the hope that comes through Jesus Christ, that we would, we would worship him in spirit and truth, that we would live for him because of what he has done for us, that, that we would run to the cross daily, live for him daily, that we would be with his people regularly, that we would live for him to take this wonderful message to the ends of the earth. And God, right now, we pray, we plead, we ask, that there's someone who is here or someone who is watching at home who is far away rejecting Jesus. We pray by the Holy Spirit's power just as you did in the, in the life of that criminal on the cross. You would bring them to faith and repentance. And as Jesus prayed, for God, Father, forgive them that they would be counted among the them. We are thankful for this promise. Empower us, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Thank you for your son and his work on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's rejoice together in our only hope in life and death, Jesus Christ. our hope in life and death Christ alone Christ alone what is our only confidence that our souls to him belong who holds our days within his hand what comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope life and death what truth can calm the troubled soul God is good God is good where is 
praise his grace and goodness known in our great redeemer's love who holds our faith when fears arise who stands above the stormy trial who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore the rock of christ oh sing hallelujah our hope this morning for Easter Sunday as we celebrate that he is our hope in life and death and I'm going to be singing that you can ask Franklin and others uh, that I will be singing that you know oh sing hallelujah I'll be singing it just all day all day that I'll be singing that and we should amen well, we're glad that you're here. If you're a guest, let us not forget that you take your Connect card filled out to our Next Steps desk, and uh, we have a gift waiting for you. If this is your first time with us, we hope that you stop by and see how we might connect you. We at Hebrew Baptist want to help you take your next step in Christ, and so maybe you want to come to faith in Christ. I'll be there. Maybe we can talk about trusting in Christ for the first time or being baptized, or maybe you want to be into a church family and be connected. We have life groups that meet throughout the week as well as Sundays. You can learn more about them there at our Next Steps desk. And we're also going into even deeper discipleship through D groups uh, where three people gathered, uh, some a little bit more in some of our groups, uh, but they are gathering to read the Bible and hold each other accountable. And uh, if you have a question, maybe you want to join or are interested in one of those, 
We hope you uh, let us know about that. And Heidi Browning, who was singing earlier, wave your hand. She can tell you how to get connected to one of those uh, if you like. Uh, but we hope that you will take your next step in Jesus Christ. We also hope that you would take an opportunity. You saw the video earlier. Kevin Izell, president of the North American Mission Board, explained to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering Please make a generous gift if you've not done so. You keep saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, guess what? It's Easter, and this is the Easter offering. So this is a reminder to give a generous gift to support church planners, ministries, disaster relief all throughout North America. If you would do so, we hope that you could do that online, uh, or you can. there's envelopes at the Next Steps desk, and you can drop them in the boxes here at the church. I think I've covered most of everything uh, that I was going to say. We would remind you that next Sunday is Gospel to Every Home. We hope that you would help join us as we take to proclaim the name of Jesus. Not to, We won't do it today, but next Sunday we'll get back together as we go out in groups to, to knock on every door in the 41048 area code and proclaim Jesus' name. And next week, child care will be provided, so please let us know uh, if you need that. But also, we encourage you that uh, if you can, be in prayer for the Gloria Setters family. Uh, Gloria, a member here at our church, is having her funeral, homegoing service tomorrow. Here at the church, visitation 10 to 12 and 12 noon will be the funeral. Uh, you know, I don't like doing funerals this time of year around a holiday because uh, the family is, you know, in, in sad and turmoil. But I can't think of a greater day for us to have hope in the resurrection and to be reminded of her hope that we will grieve but we grieve with hope because Christ's life Christ being in heaven is her life as well and so we hope that you will uh, think of that also today as a gift we had a member of our church as well as Sam's Club donate all of the the lilies that you see up here and around on the window sills and here on the stage if you would like to take one with you we encourage you, please do so. If you'd like to take one for one of our shut-ins or one of our members that couldn't be here today, take one. Uh, we don't want them sitting around. We would let, rather have them in a home being a gift and encouragement to someone. So uh, do that today as you leave. Uh, and uh, we hope that you have a great rest of your Easter day celebrating a risen key. God bless and may God be with you. Will I change?